Hello and welcome to the All Walks of Life podcast. Um, my guest on the show today is Kavya Sharma, an author, a poet, and a womanist. Um, I haven't been doing this podcast for a while, but I'm excited to be back again and uh, with my guest. So, Kavya, welcome to the podcast. How do you feel um, coming on the podcast? That is. Thank you so much for having me. It feels great. So, how, how what have you been doing recently, and um, what do you what keeps you busy? Uh, recently, well, I'm working on my fifth book actually. Finally, found the inspiration to actually start working. It's been long, and I'm editing quite a few books. Oh yeah. wow! Okay. Yeah. So, so what's that whole process like? Process like because I know you've already written four. You have four books under your belt already. Um, so, is it is it dif- is it different from writing it from for the first time round? And um, yeah, so can you talk through that? I mean, honestly, when you write the first book, it's coming a lot out of passion uh-huh. and a lot out of like getting all those emotions out. But then. Once you actually know that you want to do this for the rest of your life and you want to keep coming up with your own books, you realize it's also about the technicalities. It's also about framing, structuring, narration, point of view, and all these aspects that you probably did not care much about in the in in your first book or your or your second book. And yes, that's that's a little annoying. That's the irritant there because uh, initially it's just about creativity and flow, but then you also have to take care of other aspects. and this is what makes the process a little difficult plus the fear of um yeah people liked my first book what if they don't like this one or what if they do not like my next book so yeah that pressure is always there so what i've heard from people who are who are writers basically they say that the first book is probably the most difficult one because it's like it's that which is like the stumbling block and then you have you get that over and done with and then it in some sort you you sort of have an idea as to how things are and it's not as difficult as perhaps it is hmm. because you're then outsider in the industry or something of that sort is that true or i mean i'd personally say i mean i can't say about others but for myself i really did create a prebase before okay. coming up with my first book so i had an instagram handle where i was already sharing my poetry and snippets mm-hmm. and you know short stories and um i had been published before in a few anthologies and stuff like that so that gave me a little bit of confidence and experience that yeah there are a few people out there who can and will enjoy my writing honestly for me the first book was less about nervousness and more about like being excited and thrilled to be finally doing this yeah. like full time and after that the process became more uh, you know a good mix of creative and technical so i think i'm putting in too much of my brain and less of my heart now which okay. which should not be the case so yeah okay so you say that's definitely something for like um first time writers or the or the writers who publish for the first time that it's more that they're speaking of how people actually want it to be it's more raw and it's not so much um polished and it's not so that yes. it it comes from an ivory tower or something of that sort absolutely and i think sometimes i mean i miss that rawness i miss like not caring that i have to take care of this mm-hmm. aspect and i think the more knowledge you gain the more scared you <laughs> become that you have to take care of all these aspects so uh, yeah with first book i was unabashed i was just completely myself and the first book that i wrote was actually in my comfort zone right so um it was about love and romance and i'm a sucker for like love poems and yeah. romance and all that i think it just flows very naturally i'm a hopeless romantic so it came straight out of the heart but i can't keep on doing this with every book i write i have to experiment i have to go out of my comfort zone so that is where it becomes a little difficult so your most recent book struggle for intimacy i mean it is along the same lines as well that you've sort of touched base on but um but why is there a struggle for intimacy i know you you have branded yourself as a hopeless romantic yeah. but what was the inspiration behind writing this particular book right so honestly all these poems uh, in the book have 
have been a part of my thesis paper from uh, when I did my masters in creative writing from University of Nottingham. Mm-hmm. So my topic back then was post-colonialism, xenophobia, and the fear of missing your own land, and you know just finding that connect of being in a foreign country, liking it, yet missing your own land, mm-hmm. right? So all these poems are are just a representation of trying to find intimacy and familiarity in a foreign land. Um, and it it has a good mix of love poems and poems on family and, you know, just not being in your own land and all that. So, I mean, these poems were written four years before they were actually published. And okay. I don't know, I was just, I just kept on reading them, rereading them, trying to edit, then re-edit, then, you know, taking them back to the same original structure. It was all actually a lot of struggle mm-hmm. inside me to, should I be publishing them? Should I not be publishing them? Uh, I think... That's why I named it Struggle for Intimacy. So, yeah. Enough. yeah. So, do you do you edit or do you sort of play around with your poems? That you, so, for example, you mentioned that these were poems that you'd written and then you sort of reworked on them to sort of make them more, make them published. Yeah. Do you sort of, like, what is the extent that you edit the, the poems that you've written in the past? So, I remember, like, I'm a big fan of Auden and he mentions that... Um, in his collected works, when he was sort of compiling all his poems, he said that he looked at some of his poems uh, back in the day and he almost cringed at them because of, of, the, of the way he sort of wrote. Yeah. Um, but then he did one sort of thing with him was that he didn't sort of change a lot of the poem. He simply only changed perhaps a few words here and there that he yeah. may have thought is more appropriate to the times or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like how much do you change it a lot? Like since you revisit no, it or? I don't change it a lot. And I think when it comes, the first time it comes, it's, I think it's perfect in its form. Uh, but then, I don't know, as writers, we have this in us that, you know, we can make this better. Maybe it lacks something and we have to do something. So we keep on rereading and reading and reading. And then in the end, we just end up changing a word or a, like yeah. a here and there or a comma or a punctuation mark or something. Like, But but not in its entirety. I've never completely changed a poem. So what would you say is, um, you have some advice for perhaps um, upcoming poets or people who are sort of looking to get into the space? Yeah. of how they can write better. What is it that you'd, you'd recommend? Honestly, uh, there are two things that I ap- that I tell a lot of people because I take up a lot of creative writing batches and I teach creative writing to a lot of people. Uh, the first thing is that you cannot be good writers unless you are good readers. So please read a lot. Don't think that without reading, you can everything is just going to come straight from the heart. <laughs> you have to take inspiration. You have to see what sort of content has been out there in the market. Yeah, And, and you have to don't ape it but try to like reach that level for For what poets have done before second is um, don't be in that zone that you're writing for 10 days and then you're in that writer's block for the next 6 months (laughs) it does not work like that yeah so I think you have to be regular if you really want to do this for the rest of your life if you're really passionate about it you have to be regular with this so that reminds me of basically um, so I was was watching this interview of Javed Akhtar and he says that um for you to have the audacity to write one line of poetry, you, you should have read like a hundred lines of poetry before. Yeah, yeah. For you to be in that basic mind space of what it's actually like yeah. um, to actually craft a poem or something of that sort. Yeah. So talking about these technicalities, because I'm interested in this sort of space as well. Um, is there, Do you sort of sort of discriminate when it comes to poetry or not? Like Because some people say that if people are writing in free verse, it's not really poetry. Some people are very adamant about, let's say, um, the verse structures or those sort of, uh, what's it called? Um, there's a particular word for it. I'm forgetting it now. This, the, anyway, it'll come to me. <laughs> yeah. um, there's, there's a particular word for it. Basically, if you're writing in a particular note, it's the same thing that singers use. 
meter meter there yeah, you go meter right, yeah. if you are particular sticking to a particular meter or things of that sort do you sort of look at these things if if it's a new a poet or if there's someone who's basically writing <laughs> no i don't i honestly don't when honestly when my journey with poetry started when i was like really young i was a yeah. kid okay and initially of course it came out of a lot of i was always an extroverted kid and and i needed better ways to express myself rather than just talking and acting and all that so i started writing as well and uh, then it the journey just continued and i tried to grow with it i tried to sort of get better at it uh i have experimented with all forms of writing i have written limericks i have written sonnets i have written uh, haikus i have done micro tales micro stories free verse i think for me personally it's all about what comes naturally mm. i hate sonnets i hate attempting them i just think they are very restricting in their approach and and i'm not personally i don't personally like restricting myself when it comes to content mm. yeah but don't you think um because i've tried my hand at looking at these meters as well um don't you think if you're playing around with a particular meter or playing around with a particular sort of structure if if there is that makes you think in a particular way that makes you i don't know um for example if you if you start writing in that form you might not think that you could think in that way or you could write in that manner simply because of the constraints of that particular medium yeah i mean honestly it's a very uh, you know it's a struggle between being creative unabashedly without thinking of the rules and regulations yeah. and then being creative yet keeping in mind the rules and regulations right. and it really does i think it does hamper the creativity okay. that is when and i read a lot about confessional poetry with sylvia plath and all uh-huh. these uh, all these poets and the the previous poets were were angry that why are you not following the rules what is this poetry about personal life and you know <laughs> all this trauma and all that stuff but i think it's so relieving to not follow rules mm-hmm. it's so freeing in its own appro- in its own approach so you talked about these sort of uh, you, you talked about this aspect that um it almost had to be some sort of way for you to express what you were thinking so writing just seemed very natural for you to sort of express that yeah like is that simply what it does for you or do you think that it's a different zone that you go into so basically a quote that comes to my mind is that um i don't know what i think until i write it down this is by john didion yeah. so and they and she sort of focuses on this point really heavily that and i've thought about this myself that if i'm if i've thought something through hmm. but until and unless i don't converse it with another person yeah i have a totally different interpretation of it yeah. or if i write it down or something of that sort is yeah. that is that another thing as well yeah i mean i think uh, for me personally and i think as and when i grow uh, the whole meaning of writing changes with every with the transformations that i have personally gone through it started with innocence it started with expression then it was more about this is what defines me then it was all about I want to bring about a change through my writings and then it's also a lot about I I cannot think of a day when I don't want to write it comes mm. so naturally and I think it it just it's become such a huge part of my life that it's a huge thing that defines me but most importantly it makes me happy yeah you know and if something makes me happy I'm going to do it yeah why not yeah but that's a great thing isn't it because you you talked about this whole aspect that you're more comfortable with certain topic areas certain subject areas yeah. but now that you allow yourself to sort of explore put yeah. put yourself in like difficult scenarios yeah. you grow from those and you you all, almost see like a different side of yourself yes like this very self explanatory um absolutely way. i mean if i would be not experimenting i think i'll probably just end up writing love poems for the rest of my <laughs> life uh I, and i think i have this fascination in my head that i want to write a suspense thriller and i want to write crime mysteries and 
initially I hated reading them. That's exactly why I want to experiment and start writing them and working yeah, on them. Yeah. But I can't just randomly like switch on my laptop and start writing. For that, I have to do my own research. I have to read a lot. Mm. My that is why my first novel was in my comfort zone. My second novel, which was uh, All Seasons Alike, was way out of my comfort zone, and it did not happen. as uh, smoothly as to nadia happened the first book right with my second book it was a lot of struggle because i had to research a lot and even though back then it was a pain in the ass but uh, now i coming to think of it i gained so much out of it mm-hmm. and i found a completely different side of me which is nice this is great yeah for sure um something that comes to my mind is that um does does it ever happen to you so basically i was Someone told me that when Arun Arun Arundhati Roy was writing um uh, writing her book, I think God of Small Things. Yeah. Um, she just started writing and finished writing. So it was one particular stretch or one particular phase that she was doing. It wasn't like many writers have it that they sort of keep coming back to their work if they've written yeah. some parts now. Uh, they'll sort of spend a year with it or something of that sort. Like, yeah. does that happen with you? Like, you have a burst where you're simply writing, writing, writing for like three months or something. Or is it? Ve- it's more spaced out, and you, and you take a chill. So. <laughs> I mean, even if I take a chill, it's it's chill from that particular project and writing other stuff. Okay. Because I don't. I do both poetry and fiction. Yeah. I also do a lot of uh, uh, personal writing, snippet writing. I mean, I keep keep my options open. Hmm. Um. Yes, there have been continuous stretches where I've been writing every day of the month, but then I will take a break. Yeah. And then I will go back to it. And of course going back to it is difficult. The moment you take the break you make it difficult for yourself. Absolutely because you lose that connect. Huh. And whenever I do go back, I read the whole thing that I've written to get back into zone, mm-hmm. right? I give myself one year to write my one book, to write one book. I give myself that much of time because there are also other projects that I'm working on, other types of writings that I'm working on and I don't want to really exhaust my energy creativity imagination on just one project to For not sure. be able to give it to others but even while working on that one project do you evolve while working on that project so for example you might have like a storyboard idea as to where the story goes if you're writing fiction that is yeah um but while writing the thing while sort of i don't know developing the characters among other things yeah. you might think that this is another a totally different way that it's taking me or totally yeah. different perspective that it's offered that i wouldn't have thought of before yeah absolutely i mean yes not with the first book but with the second i became more organized i had structure and characters planned and because with the first book 10000 words into the book i was clueless <laughs> i did not know how to continue that further and then i did not write for 3 months straight i was okay. like i don't know how to continue this yeah and uh, uh but with my second book i was more organized that okay if i get stuck this is what can happen then this is what can happen then this is what can happen even being so organized i made a lot of changes while writing the book I deviated from the path I had decided for my own self because I discovered new things while writing mm-hmm. the book and that is the most beautiful part about writing. And that's always a good thing right in some sense because yeah. if you find something that's more it's more fitting to the story or something of that yeah. sort. Yeah and you will not you will not get those ideas just by planning you yeah. will get those ideas in the When writing process. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about not if, for example if you only stuck to your comfort zone and only wrote like love poetry or something of that sort yeah. for the rest of your life or something. But don't you think how i sort of look at it is that even if there is a poetry of love or a or or a work of fiction that is very perhaps very specific to what layman may think a very specific field yeah. but if it's done really really well yeah. i think it speaks to everything yeah. for example yeah. I, I, so if you read war and peace or if you read anna karenina people may think it's a work of 
fiction or a work of literature but it's not simply that yeah. if it's if it's so well done hmm. it speaks about everything and anything in society yeah i mean does do i make sense absolutely and i think uh, i'll tell you very honestly every book i write whether it is uh, getting out of my comfort zone or whether whether it is in my comfort zone it has a part of me every book that i write has a part of me and a part of me is all about love it's all about gush it's all about that warmth yeah and even though i might be writing the most grimmest and tragic books out there i will include that warmth in that book yeah. it is so natural and i think every writer out there has this personal element this little space in them that is so personal to them and they they've developed it over through practice and writing and whatever they feel deeply about mm-hmm. that they just cannot let go of it they cannot shed it it will reflect in every poem in every piece of writing that they do it will come out that's really interesting so something else that i've always wanted to write ask indian writers about is basically so so when tolstoy came out with his novel uh, war and peace people were trying to categorize it as to what it is yeah. is it a historical fiction is it a work of history is it a work of fiction or something of that sort yeah. and he simply said that um that's a very sort of anglican way of looking at um uh, like books or looking yeah. at literature yeah. because uh, uh, coming from his russian background they have a totally different perspective as how they consume literature or how they consume books yeah. so he simply put it as tolstoy in prose this, mm. this is my way of writing it because in in the russian style of how things were yeah. you can include historical stuff and you can include like a work of uh, literature in it as well but it's all simply one work if yeah. that makes sense yeah. and if you look at the indian context when people talk about the ramayana or the mahabharata yeah. there's a, a people modern day people try to look at the historicity of those events and things like that yeah. but what's more important and i've heard some of the scholars talk about it that because indian india has always been such a spiritual sort of country a spiritual tradition yeah. the motive has never been to sort of establish the historicity of these events or the historicity yeah. of these stories yeah. it's always been to evoke a very spiritual um essence in the readers when you're sort of reading yes. it yes. so it doesn't matter if ravana had 10 heads or something of that sort it's it's much deeper than that yeah, yeah. so do you think that's something you'd want to explore or or you have explored already in your writing that you'd want to touch obviously you talked about um wanted to come back to india and and write works in india because you feel more connected here and things like that yeah. but exploring this side of things of how perhaps indian literature was in yeah. in, in its essence i mean if you if you ask me nowadays mythology uh-huh. and mythological fiction uh is is at an all time boom people, exactly people want to read devdutt patnayak yeah. people want to read stuff on what shakuni th- thought in mahabharat what dropadi side of mahabharat arjuna side of mahabharat yeah. there are also a lot of shows coming on netflix oh, serials like yes. these are <laughs> and and yes we do connect at it because we are trying to find a more stronger spiritual connect uh-huh. and i wouldn't call this religious i would call this a spiritual yeah. connect yeah uh and yes uh, i mean in future maybe yes we do require a lot of research and study to write on these topics so yeah. i can't just say like a lay person can write about it but even uh, for ex- for sure that is that is the case but yeah. if you look at these uh, if you look at these stories valmiki's ramayana yeah. to tulsidas's ramayana are completely polar opposites yes. but most of india consumes tulsidas's ramayana and they sort of prescribe that as the original in some sense yeah. um 
so what i'm trying to say is that even if, a, if even if there is an upcoming writer and they write their ramayana let's yeah. say set in modern times um yeah. living in a metro city or whatever the case yeah. is yeah. that could well be a part of the the numerous other ramayanas that are there because there's a yes. there's a feminist approach to ramayana i don't know if you've heard about it absolutely and i think what people do take away is not probably not the characters or probably not the old uh, story but the lessons that the old exactly. story yeah. taught right like the values the lessons and all those aspects and presenting them in the modern format for example i'm not sure if you've read devdutt patnaik's modern geeta i haven't no. yes so he came up with the modern geeta that's a modern version of geeta and i read it and and a lot of people uh, trashed it out and <laughs> were like not really happy about it but then for me i thought it was such a unique way of coming yeah. up with lessons and values and what krishna taught and what arjuna listened and what what was the ultimate aim yeah i think even even if we don't take real life historical characters or mythological characters and we try to bring across these values through fictional characters in mm. different parts of the book these are again strong values i think every reader when they read books they want to take away something from it whether it's feeling loved whether it's oh i relate to this whether oh i've been through this whether oh that's so tragic some strong emotion that they connect with or something that they learn and they want to take away from it so you know what i really work on in my books is all about themes what is the message that i want to convey for example in all seasons alike it was the whole idea of acceptance you know mm. when there comes a stage in life where wherein um you've tried everything and nothing is working your way what do you do then you accept you accept your situation that's the first basic step that you do and the whole book is about acceptance there That's, that's really interesting. Um, something else I wanted to touch base on. So you're basically founder and editor in chief of Words of Silence as well. Yeah. Could you speak a little bit about that particular project of yours and what your endeavor with it is? Yeah. So Words of Silence, honestly, it started as a blog for me. So I used to, I was uh, blogging poetry and stuff, and I and the name of my blog was Words of Silence. Oh wow. And uh, when I studied in UK, that's when I got uh, to know about the concept of literary magazines. Mm-hmm. uh before that i absolutely had no idea that people could actually submit like single pieces of poetry and short stories i thought you just have to get the whole collection published or write the whole book to yeah. get published and i thought this is such a great idea like to you can write a single piece of poetry and still get it published right or story or whatever and uh, i submitted my work to a lot of literary magazines in uk it was then that i decided that i wanted to convert this into a literary magazine um so we came up a uh, earlier when we started and this was like four and a half years back we came up with monthly issues that got a little taxing because i mm-hmm. wanted to do a lot of other things so uh, we converted it into a quarterly magazine and we publish short stories poems artworks illustrations and uh, literary book reviews and apart from that we do creative writing workshops on poetry short stories and stuff and we do a lot of poetry short fiction contests before covid we did we also did offline poetry reading events i okay. think we're going to go back to it again but we we shifted to online poetry re- reading events as well so i think i i mean i just wanted to provide the whole intention for me personally was to provide an unbiased creative platform to writers across india like mm. a platform they could really trust their writings with and and i was surprised the first time we launched with the first issue we received only 20 submissions and now we receive close to 200 300 submissions oh, wow. for per quarter and it's really like i have a i have a very strong team of editors and magazine designer and social media handlers and and it's such it's been a great journey well, that's really interesting um i wanted to ask you so so what's this whole process like because 
as compared to writing books where you're sort of very alone and you're in your zone and you're sort of working on this one particular project on your own. Yeah. Um, as compared to this, which is more collaborative, where you're sort of getting ideas from all across the board, and you said you have like workshops and stuff, which is more interactive as well. Yeah. So, how is that like? Like this more collaborative version of literature, more collaborative version of producing content. Yeah, I think uh, I think while writing books, you're brainstorming alone. Alone, uh, but when you're when you're doing something like this, you have a whole team of people and. you might be thinking from one perspective and being like oh this is such a great idea but there'll be three four other people who will be like we have better ideas <laughs> so i think it's all about also inclusivity of other creative energies along with you yeah. and coming to a common term where we can think of an excellent idea with the creative merging of three to four people and i think that's what makes it better because when you're working alone you're your own judge you're yeah. like okay i don't know i think this is great let me just do it yeah. but with four five people in the team good creative mix of energies and better ideas to work on i think uh, you're really pumped up and yes the communication is more the interaction is more the brainstorming is more the effort is more but at the end of the day and i mean all my team members they're working in really good companies one of them is in singapore one of them is working for amazon mm. and and i'm like why do you really want to stick around you're working for amazon and like this is something i'm not going to leave i mean this is this is for my soul yeah. actually so yeah So has there been so you talked about this essence that there are people working in the corporate space or something else and they sort of submit or they sort of working with you yeah. like has there been a point where you read a work from them like a poem or a, sh- a short story or something of that sort and you say wow maybe you could make it as like a, maybe you should devote more time to your uh, creative yeah. side yeah of course i mean see the best part about writing is you can be an engineer or doctor anyone out there in the world and you can still be a writer and sometimes it helps that way yeah so like more experience more <laughs> exposure more i don't know like just being more out there i think as writers we are we are so recluse yeah. when covid came i felt all my like because i i used to travel a lot and by travelling i don't mean spending like lot of money on travelling even just going out for a walk alone and mm-hmm. like travelling to cheaper places cheaper locations at like affordable prices and that that gives you that vibe and energy to write that gives you that uh, you know you observe things you notice people and ideas come to you mm-hmm. right with covid it got hampered a lot right so uh, i think when you're when you're in certain fields and you're out there in the world and you're meeting people every day and interacting with them i'm sure you have good ideas in your head to like convert them into content so yes so i'm forgetting the name so i just recently read his book the old man and the sea it's very famous um uh, you i know uh, if you heard yeah, of his name I, yeah yeah, I, yeah I, you you get what i'm talking about yeah, yeah, yeah. so he basically was uh, he lived a very sort of he was very um i think he lived in cuba for a while as well uh, the right i'm talking about hmm. um and he was very sort of his his day to day work was i think in construction or um something of that sort so very different from a writing life yeah. but sometimes i think he mentioned that it's very that's perhaps what's more um effective if you want to be a writer because if you want to be a writer and you're working in some sort of creative landscape hmm. then maybe your creative energies are sort of being used uh, in that particular endeavor yeah. so when you come back to write it's very similar as to the experiences you may have yeah. or the things you are writing about but something if that's very different to what you're doing maybe if you're a carpenter or working in in construction which people wouldn't equate hmm. to basically being a writer yeah. maybe that allows you to sort of then come back to your writing desk and then um, talk about those experiences or talk about those things yes i mean I, 
honestly there was this phase in my life where i thought i want to be a full time writer mm. and that would mean and i have a, like i've created a very beautiful space working space for myself because i've been freelancing for past 5 years i've yeah. been working from home for the past 5 <laughs> years now so i'm stuck at that my table my bookshelf and my yeah. you know all the all the elements i've tried to make it aesthetic looking right and there was this time as i said when i thought that let me be a full time writer i'm going to write on books because when i'm working on other things i hardly get the time to actually work mm. on my own books it was so difficult for me to come and actually write now but then i thought and i tried for some bit and i and i thought i was i was really restricting myself in terms of space and just like being out there because yes you can do it yes you can read a lot of books in that room write a lot of books in that room but there will come a point and time when when you're just exhausted and you just want to let loose and go out right that is and then came this Go idea that walk and come back and yeah, ride again <laughs> yeah yeah so and then came this idea that you know why do i have to restrict myself in the creative field by just being a writer i can i can edit books mm. i love reading i can uh, i can read and commission books i i can do proofreading i can teach creative writing because i've studied and i've yeah. learned so this aspect of creative field keeps me pumped up and flowy and all that you know in that zone because when i have to teach i have to read a lot i have sure. to create study material i have to work on my art that in return helps me in my solace when i'm writing my mm-hmm. books so i think it it has to be a good mix actually for me personally for sure um what is that process like for example you talk about editing books as well like how is that different so for example when you're actually crafting it for yourself so you're writing on your own yeah. and then maybe you send it to a pub- so if you worked with publishing houses so they have a set of editors and those kind of things yeah. but if you're editing yourself for someone else that is yeah. like how i don't know how um how strict are you like what's your what do you what's your way like do you give a lot of leeway like, uh, I, how is editing in general because um yeah. yeah i mean editing in general depends on whether you're just looking for proofreading if you're looking for proofreading it's all about checking the grammar punctuation right, yeah. spelling mistakes language and all that but if you really want in depth editing then it's all about narrative voice point mm-hmm. of view setting characters growth is the storyline actually going in the wrong direction is the beginning uh, impactful enough is the ending great enough and you know taking care of these aspects and i'll be very honest because i'm i've been an editor and i'm a writer myself writers are stubborn they've written something they don't want yeah. to change it and i'm i am that writer as well but as an editor i know the importance of reading someone's work from a third person's point of view right when you're writing your own work you're reading it from the same perspective you've written it you really do not have a new perspective hmm. to it that is why we require editors we don't value editors we're like oh we know how to check grammar and punctuation we'll do it on our own but you don't realize that person is experienced in reading a lot of work has read a variety of work and knows what to change when to change where to change you have to believe in that power hmm. as if i i wouldn't say i'm a very strict editor uh i try to i don't take away the voice of the author or the main storyline i don't try to change it but yes i i notice a pattern that indian writers don't really focus on character growth and plot growth much it's very stagnant in times that is something that i really like working on right but how difficult is that but do you always have this inkling as to no 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 this is the way it should be or something of that sort like or do you stop yourself like how, how is that pro- or is it subconsciously always going to be there even when you are editing yeah however much you may try to sort of not um sort of hide the the voice of the author yeah simply because of you having access to this work and you working on that work yeah. will perhaps give an element of yourself yeah to that i mean work. uh I I'm not sure I try to do it so stealthily that it should not 
come right. across as someone else has also worked on it mm-hmm. it should it should solely be the author's work and author's interpretation of yeah. it so uh, land see when you're reading someone's work my editing process is the first thing that i do is don't i don't start editing straight across i read the whole book first and by reading it it makes me understand the voice of the author like how is the author presenting different emotions what are the actions and reactions like right and then i try to imbibe that in the mm. editing process that i i take so yeah and and this work that's coming to you it's already edited a billion times already by the author Yes. Right, because yes. I think I heard this. Yeah, but this some phrase. people they don't even touch their books, oh, and wow. and you will find like a thousand spelling mistakes <laughs> and punctuation mistakes, and those are the ones that are really irritating, uh, yeah. irritating to work on. Yeah. Because I've heard that all good writing is simply editing or something of that sort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think if you see, there are two types of writers. But that's my personal definition: writers who underwrite, writers who overwrite. Okay. Right. <laughs> These are the two writers you have to deal with. People who underwrite are are so rushed in their writing style; they don't. elongate and elaborate on ideas that actually needs elaboration right. and people who overwrite are they end up actually repeating the same things over and over again so in that you have to chatify a lot you have to like cut out a lot of aspects i have received manuscripts wherein and from publishing houses where there have been oh this is like a 90000 words manuscript and we want you to uh, bring it down to 40000 Imagine, and <laughs> just listening, like just reading that mail scares me, and I'm like, uh, what? My biggest scare is, what if this manuscript is so good, and I don't feel like cutting oh, so right. much stuff out yeah. of it? Yeah, because I have, it's just a mail. It's need, it needs to be done because it's hmm. cost effective and all exactly. that. We have to yeah. take care of these aspects as well. But sometimes, and I don't know, I'm not playing devil's advocate or something. But sometimes, don't you think that maybe when we try to categorize people as like underwriting or overwriting, yeah. perhaps we aren't getting to the essence of what it is. because yeah. so my favorite writer is dostoevsky and many of his translators in the earlier days used to sort of um not understand why he's perhaps added a, a certain element in the story yeah. and they yeah. would cut it out or they would remove it and yeah. un- saying that this is not this there's no point to it but then the later yeah. translators they started understanding that no it all makes sense in the bigger landscape of things yeah. or maybe it's simply there um for the poetry of it all for like the magic of it all of of how a dostoevsky's story is yeah. so sometimes Don't you think that if there are things that are um, underrepresented or overwritten about, yeah, they may have like an essence to it. Yeah, or, I mean, of course, they may. Firstly, high five because Dostoevsky is my favorite. Oh, author. Wow. I absolutely <laughs> love Crime and Punishment. That, oh, that's I my favorite know, book as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't know how many times I've read it. Uh, but yeah, coming to your question, see, yes, in retrospect, if you think of it, maybe if those authors become like this famous and you go <laughs> and back and yeah, and, and you go back and interpret their work, you'll be like, oh wow, this made sense. Why would an editor remove that? Yeah, but uh, editing and publishing books is. a lot dependent on the times that you are living in the times because a writer is thinking from a writer's perspective honestly an editor is only thinking from an editing perspective but the publisher mm. is thinking from the perspective perspective of what's going to sell how what is cost effective yeah. how much can we like bear is this person even going to sell 10 copies <laughs> like this is their worry you put in money in an author For and sure. then you get to know that this person is not even selling this much yeah. right it's so much loss so much money involved right so publishers have to see all those aspects and that's the kind of pressure they put on the editor mm. to cut out words or to add more words and we have to take that into consideration the current times that we are living in it's it's not about very longish books nobody has that time and patience there's a very limited audience for that mm. the audience nowadays is for like chetan bhagat sort of books you have to be <laughs> short crisp going and like just like on the go like you can yeah. read the book in 3 days and it's done yeah yeah so, but 
and I think I've I don't know I don't have experience in this particular industry, but I've heard sort of conversations about this. Yeah. But in India, the Indian fiction market isn't that big as well. So many times when it comes to projects such as it, it has to be like extremely extremely good. Yeah. For you to then publish like an as an Indian as an Indian writer, yeah. a fiction like a fiction. See now nowadays we have like all sorts of publishing options available. So a lot of people can get published easily. You get paid. You can do uh like a mix of uh, it's a there's vanity publishing, there is traditional publishing, and then there is paid publishing, and then right. there is self publishing. Yeah. So when it comes to do we all have the opportunity to get published? Yes. But do we all have the opportunity to get published from good publishing houses? And by good, I don't just mean the top-notch like Penguin and Hatchet mm-hmm. and all these. There are indie publishing houses which are really good. Yeah. And these are the ones who are very selective with their uh, manuscripts. With what they put out. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we were having this conversation before we started off. But can you talk a little bit about the whole publishing space that is? Because for an aspiring uh, man of letters, uh, as I am as well. Yeah. Um, what is it like for someone who's wanted to get in the market and wants to understand the whole um, publishing space where it comes to these big publishing houses, yeah. but also perhaps someone who may want to take the self-publishing route sometime down. So do you uh, publishing in terms of getting published or sure. working yeah, yeah, in the yeah. industry? Okay. No, getting published for getting sure published. As, a, as a writer. Right. Yeah. So honestly, when it comes to big publishing houses, they don't usually accept unsolicited manuscripts. They, they only take up manuscripts that are coming through agents. Mm. Right, so literary agents, yeah, right, and yeah. we have quite a few in India. I mean, initially they were only two, three, but now a lot of people have, have come up come as up, literary yeah. agents, right? And there are proper agencies. There is Siahi and you know Purple Agency and all those. So a uh, Purple Folio, if I'm not wrong, and there are a lot of others. Uh, and uh, the big publishing houses, they have this list of uh, uh, you know agents mostly who who give manuscripts, and then they usually sign authors for a three book, four book, two book deal, right? Oh, it yeah, usually yeah. like that. That does not mean that they don't accept uh, random authors coming their way. They do sometimes. But, you know, it's a very thin chance to mm. get noticed with, with, with big publishing houses, right? And then comes the publishing houses which are indie, which are like, which come below the mm-hmm. top notch. And maybe they're not that famous because they're not that much into marketing and pub. See, when it comes to Penguin, you will see that they're publishing Twinkle Khanna and all these big names and all that. And then comes the second category, which probably not be publishing big names, but they're publishing good books and yeah. good authors. Is that is that the category Rupa would be in or Rupa would be in the top? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah Rupa is, I mean, to each its own. I don't yeah. know. If I have to put it, I'll put it in the in the second category. But yeah. to some people, it can be like a top-notch top publishing yeah. house. Yes. I'm no one to decide that. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yes, when it comes to these publishing houses, uh, usually all these publishing houses have a proper website and the submissions guidelines. Hmm. They even mention the font size they want you oh, wow, to submit okay. the synopsis in and the spacing and all that. They will mention the word limit that you have to sub. Usually, it's three sample chapters and a synopsis that has to be either a short synopsis within 500 words or a longish synopsis within 1,500 words. Synopsis is basically the summary of hmm. your whole book, including all the suspenses and everything. Uh, some of uh, the publishing houses will also ask for a cover letter. Uh, that some of them will also ask for your author bio what have you done in the field already any publications before and anything some of them will also ask for comparative titles who are your contemporary authors oh, nowadays right. what okay. are the books and why do you think you're better than them huh. and all that some of them will also ask for a market analysis like if we do publish your book how do you choose to market it because mm. you can be an amazing writer you can write the best book out there but if you're not marketing it if you're not reaching out to enough people it's not going to sell mm. like I write a book. I am nowhere on any social media handle. How is anyone ever going to know I've written a book? Why will anyone buy my book? What is my credibility? Right? Mm. So, yeah. So, 
that reminds me so I was listening uh, to this podcast this one of the most famous podcasts in India I really like it it's called the the scene and the unseen by Amit Varma okay. and he had this um he had a guest who was working in this particular space the publishing space yeah and she 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 remembered basically the first and she basically quoted the same thing that you could be the best of the writers but if you don't understand let's say marketing or yeah. if you can't market your book yeah. then it's very unlikely that it'll do really well yeah. so she was really shocked because most of the writers she she came in they said that acha we've written this manuscript now you market it the way yeah, you want to yeah we are done with it yeah, yeah. 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 so it was really um, it was really um, surprising for her when she first met chetan bhagat Yeah. So when Chetan Bhagat walked in, he came in with a uh, presentation as to how Plan. my uh, book should be marketed yes. in Chennai, in South, in, in the North. This, 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 that, whatever. Yeah. And she was really taken back because she didn't expect that from the writer. The writer was always like a very sort of sit back approach and yeah. let the sort of agency do the work. Yeah. Um. So I'm not a big fan of Chetan Bhagat myself, but he knows, uh, understands the whole uh, ecosystem of how to market, market your books. Market your books. Yes. Yes, so and I think, thing. and I think, honestly, in today's times, it is important. Sure. You see, so many people. There are so many poets, Instagram handles, people writing stories. They've come up with reels and music and whatnot. It's such a creative space to be in. Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you get, how do people get to know you among all these people who are so huh. creative out there? See, they are trying to make their mark by by working on themselves. So you hmm. you have to do the same. You have to learn to market. You have to go to the book reviewers. You have to get those Amazon reviews. You have to share it on your Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all those social media handles. Yeah. You have to invest money with your PR if you have that kind of money. I mean, there are levels of marketing. You can start with the most basic level and then you know go on and spend as much. I've heard so many authors and spent tens and lakhs of ten lakh oh, rupees, wow. five lakh rupees on marketing their books. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe do you think there's still a room for the idealist in me who thinks that if you simply focus on your art, then the um, results will show? Like if it's that good a book, but if it's that good a see, piece of art, as I said, I mean, but but who knows that idealist? Yeah. Right? <laughs> you can be an idealist, but who knows you? Why yeah, should people yeah, buy your yeah. book? See, I think. See, this part I agree with. You need to make your readers trust you. Mm-hmm. You need to make them believe that you write well. They can relate. And how do you make them relate? By by being available to them in some way i share my poetry on instagram i don't do it every day i do it maybe once a week twice a week that's good enough to keep my audience mm-hmm. engaged so that they know that okay this person writes we enjoy if she comes up with the book we will buy it yeah right but if i don't write they'll be like they'll be my friends family 20 30 people it's done who yeah. else right right that makes sense But also, yeah. So we were talking also about the self-publishing route because yeah. could you talk a little bit about that? Have you seen people? Have you seen writers who've gone the self-publishing route and made it and been yes, successful? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I can't names because they're under contract. But I'll, sure. I'll give you a story. I'll give you an example. I know this person, very famous now. Can't really name the na- uh, person, but yeah. uh, he self-published his poetry book. and he was very uh, good at it and he kept on promoting it for one year he came it came out on kindle and he sold it at a very cheap price like 70 rupees 80 rupees 100 rupees at max right so in self publishing you have to take care of everything you have to design your own yeah. cover you have to do your own editing you have to typeset your own mm. thing you have to upload your book and then you have to market your own book on your own it's just you yeah, yeah. and if you have friends to help you around good right uh uh he marketed his book for one year and everything and it sold and he was active on insta and everywhere he did book reviews he came live and engaged with the with his audience and kept on doing it for one one and a half years and then a big publishing house noticed him oh wow okay. and uh they said that we are going to republish your book in print and we are also offering you a three book deal oh, wow. and now he's he's good he's yeah. he's been paid like a good signing amount for that 
and he's become super famous right so yeah i mean you you never know who might notice you you mm-hmm. just ne- i mean i'll tell you very honestly when i started my instagram i just had 500 followers or something now i have close to 12200 followers mm-hmm. right uh ttt had come very recently terribly tiny tales if you're aware uh, okay so terribly tiny tales is this really great platform for writers okay. and they uh, they sort of come up with reels and stories and poems and snippets and they publish uh, they're bombay based and um, you to be a select writer in their in their organization you had to go through a form and complete write up i tried never got a reply back but a few months later they approached me on my instagram saying that we really like your writing and we would love for you to be our select writer with us oh wow so you never know who might notice yeah. you right and when you have to be out there I never thought when I started my Instagram that uh, UCB or all these big brands, even Sugar and all these people, will be approaching me for brand promotions and mm. uh, you know noticing my content and would want me to write content for them. You just have to keep working hard. You just have to be dedicated. You have to work on your creativity and you have to be out there. That's but important. but that's a good thing about um, the whole landscape of social media now, right? It's it's sort of democratized this aspect that. It it doesn't always it doesn't now have to be the fact that you have to go to the big publishing houses to sort of make your cut or in any other format that is yeah. you can sort of keep working at it be it through different ways through different mediums that is through yeah. Instagram through Twitter whatever yeah but uh, eventually there will be some sort of thing that you can do in the creative space it's not that you sort of have to go to Bombay or you have to go to certain places to yeah. uh, make your trade absolutely I mean see I've uh, when I started, when I was done with my education, I was like, okay, I wanted to p- work in a publishing house. I I got a job in Bombay. I got a job in Bangalore, and then and then I thought, you know, uh, I tried also working in Gurgaon for for a few agencies, and then I thought that, okay, I want to write my own books at the same time and, yeah. and work also and earn money. I mean, surviving just on royalties will. I mean, you're not Chetan. Not every second person is Chetan Bhagat. That's not good enough to survive. Yeah. You need money, right? So for that, you need to work, and then I, then freelancing came as an idea to me like I can work mm. from home at the same time I have enough time to work on my own projects and I think it's in the end it's all about striking that right balance that whatever works your way and also many of these or if you are a really good writer maybe your story gets picked up by one of these uh, web series and you get paid like a yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I was also <laughs> informed that one of my novels they are pitching for some OTT platform oh, wow. and stuff yeah it, I mean I've been waiting for like over a year now but uh, does that make you excited or also a lot, maybe anxious at the same time because you're like this is my baby this is my story how will they change it will I get uh, say in it or something of that sort or you're like it's fine I mean the anxious part probably will come when they try to change the story and try right. to bring in their own elements then maybe I'll be like okay it's it's losing out the me yeah, that the book yeah. has but I haven't reached that stage to exactly, understand exactly. the anxiousness <laughs> just knowing that maybe some OTT platform might take up your book is exciting exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. that is exciting for sure, for sure. Um, but, but even, even though maybe looking from the outside as well as consumers when we see sort of great books uh, great books be converted into films or be converted into shows yeah. and there's always aspects that you lose out on yeah. so maybe just from that play class you may think that if it ever happens with you if it ever happens with someone else yeah. unless you get like a director who's like what's it called like really in tune with you and really yeah. in tune with your particular book and your really philosophy really good at what presenting what you've written yeah. yeah like I remember I'm forgetting the film now but 
is uh, so basically satyajit ray made a film um on one of his close friends okay. and and he took him to the cinema to watch uh, to show it hmm. and then his close friends after the film was done his close friend told him that this is not me this is not my life hmm. this is not your life this is my movie hmm. so, <laughs> yeah. so that's what it is so i guess you have to give that creative license in some sense for them to then ex- go on and explore and take it yes. their way the creative license is also given to the publishers right yeah. because they have the freedom to cut it out cut it short right. yeah. elongate it so you get used to that you get used to that when you're writing stuff usually you're very raw with it uh, of course taking care as and when you grow with experience taking care of the technicalities and you think you've written okay enough mm-hmm. good enough uh, but then the publisher has something else in mind they have some other perception and then if it eventually goes into an ott platform or into a web series they have some other perception so i think you have to learn to give that creative license to other people if so, you want to sort of make it big yeah so talking about that because I know now people have started like um many of the institutions have started monitoring um people's use of the internet like the the YouTube and the OTT platforms as well yeah. so it's very difficult to really talk about some topics that if people are very politically driven to talk about those in let's say a video format on on OTT or something of that sort yeah. has that crept in into the, the 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 publishing industry as well like do people sort of have that um when yes. you're writing a book oh yes. wow they uh, yes some of the publishing houses will restrict you that we some of them even openly mention on their websites and stuff we do not accept manuscripts which are sexually explicit okay. or politically inclined or on certain topics and stuff like that and some of the publishing houses are brave yeah. they want to write and come up with books with only those topics which are controversial because yeah. because they want those topics to be, to be heard yeah. so some of some publishing houses choose to be safe some choose to be brave yes there are publishing houses who will reject certain ideas because because they're scared or yeah. they just don't want to come up with so we were talking about this whole aspect before as well we started our conversation that um even when working with publishing houses even if you are working as a fiction writer there are still restraints like what are those restraints about like what there's some sort of infringements on your creative license so how um, would they look like in terms of see if you're in a really hard bound contract with publishers and they then they will actually also tell you that this is the story we want you to write we want you to write this in 2 to 3 months and just get it done with oh okay yeah so these are also the restrictions but then if you're if you're not in a very hard bound contract if you have a very good rapport with your publishing house and your publicist and all these people and then they will give you the freedom to hey like try to just write it in 6 months and get it done with and we love your ideas so do whatever it takes uh they will maybe mention a few themes that okay try to include a bit of these themes in the books because they are good in the market right now right. you have to take care of what's working in the market right sure, now yeah. like what is the public what sort of books is the public are the public buying mm-hmm. that's important right so another thing that comes to uh, i've heard this from fellow writers as well and they say that um for example they've handed in their sort of manuscript and they've so and it's also a finished product yeah sometimes these publishing houses wouldn't put it out for like a year or two years or three years it's just sitting on the back shelf and slush then some, pile. yeah yeah uh, what they usually do is they they put it in a slush pile it's called a slush pile okay and uh, with, uh, probably these are the manuscripts that they think might work in the future if they don't have enough good manuscripts oh, right, they won't okay. publish them now but they want to save them for maybe in the future that's also a maybe it's not there's no right, guarantee right, right, that right, it will right. be published and uh, yes if you're lucky enough they might come back a year or two or three years later they'll be like oh we still have your manuscript <laughs> but by then authors have lost their patience they'll be like we got it published right yeah or well, they forget about it as well if they got it published i have gotten that uh 5 years back Damn. 5 years uh, after the book was published and every time the poem was published they were like hey we would like to publish that and i'm like it's been 5 years i've, I've heard really sort of hilarious things as well that um for example if the book or, or the thing talks about something that's very sort of um 
invested in the times that they were living in right now. For example, COVID or something. Yeah. And it comes out three years later or five years later. Huh. Then and COVID is a major thing about the story. Right. But now it's all gone and done. Which so is like, what's the point of even putting it out? Yeah, it was relevant in that particular time. Yes. If it's a non-fiction or whatever it is. Yes. So relevance matters, of course. Yeah. People would not want to read about COVID. I don't think a lot of people came up with COVID books. I oh, have yeah. also edited books on COVID. And uh, yes, I mean, relevance to time is important. For sure. There are certain times when certain types of books, emotions, work, themes, they work better mm-hmm. than the others. And who are you writing for in the end, mm. right? Uh, you're writing for the public. But that does not mean that you base your writings on public's opinion. Mm. Do your own thing. But at the same time, uh, it has to be a good mix of your own creativity and what the public wants. Yeah, that's so this I was having this conversation. The studio was sitting in basically the people who are working here as well. Yeah. So the people outside as well. I was speaking with them. And uh, one of the person over there has been really working uh, for a long time to basically get his music known and things like that. And yeah. we were having a conversation about this. Whereas I felt that through the democratization process of social media and other sort of these industries, yeah. sure, from a lot of sort of trash, which would have never come out before. Yeah. But um, it's still given that voice to that particular person who doesn't have to take the sort of um, the the conventional route, and he can still yeah. put his work out there. So yeah. you can that's still that's still there. But he's but the person over there was still of the other opinion that. No, perhaps it's. I'll tell you off. what the scary part is. The scary part is to actually get noticed eventually. How much of free work are you putting across to to people, yeah. right? Yeah. Because this is your art. This is your creativity. You want to be paid for it. You want to be known mm. for it. You don't want to give it everything away for free. Yeah. I've shared. Sometimes I feel like I've shared the best poems of my life for free on Instagram. Yeah. Right. I could have written books, but then, but then. To people uh, to recognize me, to be able to buy my books, I had to get that content out for free. Exactly. Yeah. So I think everything has its own pros and cons. Yeah. Maybe once you reach a stage, maybe now once I've reached a stage, I can keep certain poems or stories to myself and think that I will only get them out as books so mm-hmm. that I get paid for them. But yes, a lot of free content is scary as well. Mm-hmm. How much free content till you get recognized? Right. Right. Yeah, that's also a thing with comedians, isn't it? Like comedians are often very sort of skeptical um, with their shows or their recordings of their shows. Yeah. If people put put them out, comedians, musicians, singers, anyone actually, artists, yeah. everyone. I have so I have all these sorts of people on my Instagram, and I know how tough it is. Yeah. yeah. No, I can understand because if someone's been working for it for a year, and in in terms of a comedian, it's it's, it's just a one hour set. Yeah, and that's an hour. People may think it's just an hour, but it's an hour worth like a year's work of yeah. effort or something. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, both of us are avid readers, as you've said, and our favorite writer is Dostoevsky, which I'm pretty happy to hear about. Yeah. Um, are there some other favorite writers of yours? Other favorite books that you'd like us to, which, which you'd like to recommend to the people who are listening in, watching yeah. us? Um, I I I'm gonna mention a few authors that I really like reading, like in terms of poetry. Uh, Kamla Das is someone that I absolutely love reading her collection of poems. And um, Summer in Calcutta and all mm-hmm. these. And uh, Meena Kandaswamy is one author, one poet I absolutely love reading. I love her aggression and speed and rawness in the poems that she writes. And activism. So, and <laughs> yeah. So very recently I read Miss Militancy, which is like, which was published very long back, but I, I got to read, uh, read it now. So these are the two poets that I really enjoy reading. Sylvia Plath is obviously amazing. I love Emily Dickinson mm. and um, yeah. All these poets. In terms of authors, Dostoevsky for sure. Who else do I like? Oh, it's been long I've read. Because see, a lot of my, my 
my job is actually to read uh, new fresh authors and their works and to edit them so uh, uh it's been a long time i've actually read a famous person's book okay yeah, yeah. Uh, i do like paolo coelho quite a lot right. uh, his books are nice in terms of the modern times that we live in uh but yes uh i read a lot of new authors right uh who write amazingly well and every time i edit their books i do slide in their emails and tell them that please market <laughs> this well i want this to reach out uh, to enough people i'm i'm not exactly remembering the name of the book i think the boat or the boathouse something it was written by a very um, first time author south indian mm-hmm. such a beautiful story such a beautiful story i edited it she was a first time author that's one of my favorite recent novels okay yes. yeah so is it more fiction obviously because of your work is it more fiction that you read or you read non fiction too uh, i don't uh, like reading non fiction okay. honestly i have uh, gotten a lot of opportunities as a ghost writer to write non fiction books oh okay yes uh, and they do pay you well yeah. but i i just feel like uh, yeah i like reading fiction more fair enough fair yeah. enough why is it so you talked about some of these writers that you do like reading um why is it that you like reading them or like write reading their work what is it about them or their work that resonates with you as compared to other like i think yeah i think i don't know about other readers but for me it's mostly about if i find some level of connect hmm. if i find some level of relatability in that content even though if it's fiction uh that is what even if it feels if, despite being fiction even if it feels real like yeah this is true and this happens and this is there and it's so nice and beauty of it with poetry it's not just about content and how it reads and stuff like that poetry should feel beautiful yeah. it should feel soft like it should give you that sensation some sensation i don't know how to define it just some sensation with poetry it's mostly that with other top, uh, sort of content it's about relatability and i resonate with it and i feel a connect with it that's that's important and 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 that's what the most important thing is when people say what's the point of fiction and this kind of stuff um they fail to recognize that sure like non fiction sells a lot and it sells probably more than fiction does yeah. but if it's a great work of fiction it becomes more than real in some sense yeah. when you talk about like the ramayana or Absolutely. war and peace so something like these texts yeah. um and that's and that's what it is for example as we said dostoevsky crime and punishment yeah. being a favorite i i honestly feel i know raskolnikov as yeah. the, as the protagonist <laughs> i feel he's he like exists. me yeah. i feel he's real <laughs> Right, I exactly. I want to believe that he is real. Yeah. And and when you write such good fiction books, which are actually reflecting real life values, but through fiction. Exactly. You're you're actually creating characters that is that those are among you. Yeah. Yeah. That character can be you as well. That and that's what it is. So and that's like the major distinction between um, Freud and Jung. When Jung said that, when Freud said that it's all um, very biological, that things come to us and those kind of things. But Jung said no, it's it's more about the. mythological bases that we've been brought up on yeah. that you could become arjuna or you could become yeah. like a raskolnikov yeah. the things that you've been brought up on and you will feel that in elements that you're taking a walk uh, down the park and you and and those sort of things resonates with you a lot more yeah. yeah and that's what it is in the end it's all about that i that's what i say when people are reading books they're not reading for the fun of it they're reading to find something out of it that they can take away mm-hmm. right and even if it's a line or a word or a chapter or a character that they remember you've done, you're you've done your job exactly you've yeah. done your job yeah and and that's with anything in the world actually like when people say that um like one of the things i really encourage in the political environment that we do live in is is at least have conversations with people um who may be perhaps different uh, from your political uh, outlook or whatever it is yeah. but just to, from a conversation even if you think it's a very 
it's it's almost a lost battle it'll never happen but yeah. even if you leave a thought in their in their head that's enough because i'll leave them to go back and think about, think about perhaps it. their yeah. stands perhaps how they look at the world Absolutely. and that's the least you can that's like yeah that's what you can do i think that is why dialogue is so important for sure and i think to be able honestly to be able to because dialogues is one aspect of novel writing that comes very difficult for me hmm. right it it's it's not easy to write dialogues but i think things that you actually want to do when you practice you get better at them so if you actually dialogue in real life you'll be able to write them better i'm being I very guess. honest yeah. but if you're someone who's who's not good with dialogue and exchange of content and everything in terms of speaking and everything in real life it'll be even more difficult for you to write right have you have you so you said it's difficult for you but have you considered that because um like going into the screenwriting process and maybe working in bollywood uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh Um, because now with this upsurge because it's not only bollywood right it's the ott platforms yes, it's yes. youtube there's a big sort of um big market on youtube as well when they with creating like 20 30 minute videos yes. which are like for a uh, short film yes i think i have written a short film oh, okay. and i used to work with ndtv good times as an intern so i used i wrote a i wrote a love show there i don't know if it's there is for their it was for their app long time back i think 4 5 years back okay um right when i i was in my college undergrad actually mm. and uh, uh, i have thought of screen writing script writing not for bollywood but ever since ott and all these it yeah. has made a little easier for a little sure. more accessible yeah. so now yes i can think about it but for bollywood never that thought never crossed my mind but that would be different because we're talking about the mediums and poetry and the different meters that one uses this in some sense would be uh, playing a similar role right if you're used to writing books and writing fiction yes. now so coming into the whole sort of screenplay um, writing yeah. and all yes because all these writings for the lay person they might not be different from each other but they are all attempted differently yeah you it's not like you can be good at all these types of contents <laughs> so whenever i also teach creative writing i'll tell people that you know in our field you can't be jack of all master of none you have to be master of something mm-hmm. you have to be so good at something that somebody tells you that hey we want to take you for this project or for that project you can't be doing hey i do this also that also this also but i'm very average at everything <laughs> right So yeah, screenplay writing. I have not done a lot of it. So to get into it would take me time, and I don't want to go into it without being good enough myself, mm-hmm. right? Talking about screenplay and screenwriting, you also a lot of watch. You also watch a lot of films because you talk a lot about that on your Instagram. Yeah. Are there some films that um you like you like to recommend for us to watch or something along those lines? Uh. I'm a like I am a Bollywood buff. I watch okay. a lot of Bollywood movies. So Imtiaz Ali movies and all that. Uh, for example, Barfi is is one movie that I really love. Um, and I now I've started watching a lot of OTT movies and small time movies, which are nice. For example, um, I'm forgetting the names actually, but yes, a lot of OTT films are doing great with Nina Gupta in them. So okay. Nina Gupta is coming in a lot of movies, which are like one hour, one and a half hour yeah, movies. Yeah, I think yeah. And those are so. Amazing with their storyline, right? I've heard a lot about Panchayat. I haven't seen it. People yes, told Panchayat me it's great. is amazing. There's also this. Um, okay, forgetting the name, people. Good luck. Okay. Good luck is very it. nice. Huh. That is very nice. And um, Barfi is there. I also watch. Uh, Jabvi Mehta is very nice. I enjoy Jabvi Mehta. <laughs> Classic. Yes, and there's this one movie. What is that called? Pariniti Chopra and Siddharth. Oh. Uh. uh Hasi to Hasi. Hasi to Hasi. I think it's a very underrated movie. Okay. I really <laughs> like that movie. <laughs> yeah. So, Fair enough. Nice. But what is it? What is it? So why is it that um we were? I guess you were talking about this earlier when it, 
I think it's it's about the resonation aspect of it only. But what is it about art that we that sticks on to us in particular society? Um, when 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 if you look at it in practical terms, it may not be as useful as let's say engineering or something of that sort. Yeah. But still, it's it's what people talk about uh, in some sense. Why yeah. is that? I think uh, there can be a few different meanings. Some of them take this as um, of high value, right? right? So writers are like high value and <laughs> reputation and all that. Some of them might think of this writers are intellectuals, right? So from an intellectual point of view, some of them, and I know a lot of people are doing it for simple fame. I'm being honest, and I tell all the like if I have batches and students who I'm teaching, I tell them if you think. You are getting into writing to get famous. This is not the easiest path. <laughs> so don't think that you'll write good stuff and you'll get famous and you'll become yeah. Chetan Bhagat in one day. It does not happen like that. And that is a big shocker for them. Yeah. Great. Um, those were some of the things I had in mind when we were having this conversation. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you. Is there anything you feel that I missed out on and you'd like for us, for our audience, to know about? No, I think this was good. This is like uh, just Kavya being unabashed. Was, I had it was a fun great, time. Yeah. It was fun. Um, anything else? So, is there? Would you like to plug um, your social media handles where people can find your work, among other things? Yeah. yeah Any um, other message? Yeah, I think uh, you can follow me on Instagram. It's adarate uh, underscore Kavya Sharma. I write poetry and I share some stories and I share a lot of my dog uh, videos and uh, stories there. If you're if you're an animal lover, and yes, apart from that, you can follow Words of Silence. Uh, you can visit the website if you're into poetry, storytelling, and you want to submit your work. You can get into www.wordsofsilence.com. That's, That's great. Um, all right, thanks for watching once again, guys, um, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye. <laughs>